0: Well, good morning. I want to welcome everyone watching online, especially our Grayson Campus. Come on. Can we get up for our Grayson Campus real quick? Come on, guys. We love you guys. Man, just let me speak to the Gracie campus, you know, that's live, so let me speak to them real quick. Man, I can't wait till this week. We're going to have team night, and I'm going to be there hanging out with you guys at team night this week. It's going to be awesome. And for some of you here, if you don't know what team night is, it's where everyone who serves here at Better Life Church, whether, you know, you're, you're a team member or staff, we all come together once a month in the spring and once a month in the fall, and we have a value teaching. We have a couple songs of worship. We have some breakout and trainings from serving in different areas. We have some food, and we have some fun, and so if you ever thought about what it looks like to serve here at blc we love for you to jump in the live track and get part of what god is doing here because i'm telling you what god is up to something great and we're getting in position for him to move like we believe he's never moved before and speaking of moving you know this past wednesday night we had our college night our first ever college ministry that we ever done we're testing it trial run and see how it goes and you know you heard their story right if you build they will come well for college students if you give free food they will come right can i get a witness and so uh, we gave out free Buffalo Wild Wings. It was awesome. And I'm here to tell you what, we had 160-some students show up here for because Isn't that amazing? That was awesome. And Pastor uh, Jacob, he's our student pastor, one of them. He's a phenomenal preacher of God's Word and communicator, one of my favorite ones to, just to listen to. And he preached the gospel and, and shared his story and stuff. And we saw six college students give their life to Jesus. That's amazing, y'all. And so, for the last two weeks, we've seen through the ministry of BLC, we've seen 63 people give their life to Jesus, man, the last two, are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. And we're in this series called Cross Equals Love. We want the world to know that the cross equals love, that God, you know, loves you and has a purpose and plan for your life. And we see, I see your yard signs. I drive all over the city and I see them everywhere. And I see the billboard. I see people wearing shirts. and That's conversational pieces. So when people come and say, I saw that sign, or I saw that shirt or what's that billboard or, or whatever it may be, it's for you to have the opportunity to share your story. And that's what we talked about last week. How do we witness to our friends, our coaches, our roommate, our classmate, our parents, our grandparents. You know, how do we witness? The greatest way to witness is to share your story, how God has changed your life. They may deny the Bible. They may disagree with you theologically, but they cannot deny how Jesus has changed your life. So the greatest story besides the gospel story is your Story And today we want to continue this series. We're going to head straight all the way into into Easter. Next week we got, it's Palm Sunday. We got something special for you. Don't want you to miss that. And on top of that, we'll be doing communion as a family. So it's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss Palm Sunday. But today we want to continue in this series. And I have a principle that I want to share with you. And I'm telling you what, if you will get this principle, I promise you, if you will just get this principle, it will radically change your life and it would change the lives of the people around you just on this one simple principle. i never forget, it was the spring of 2007, Pastor Adam and I, we were talking about the church, they were starting a church, and some of you, you most of them had no idea we were even coming, and we're going to start the church. And we're like, what do we want to be known for in the community? What do we want to be known for in the region? We knew this would be a regional church. We knew someday that we were going to plant churches and be multi-site like we are right now. We are one church in two locations in Grayson and here in Moorhead. And we knew this was going to happen. And i never forget, so you know what? Let's be a church that serves the city so much and that blesses the city so much. And for some reason, we decided to move that the city would beg us to stay here because of the people of God's impact in the city. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's a crazy, audacious goal to have. And I said, so let's just be super generous. Let's bless the city. Let's serve the city. And let's see what happens. And I want that for you. And I want that for Carter County. I want that for Rowan County and the region. For us to be the people of God who serve and bless the city. Because I'm telling you what, if you will serve people and you will bless people, they will listen to your story. They'll listen to what you have to share, especially if you don't want nothing in return. And so when we did this, we want to be a church with radical, radical generosity. We want to be a church that gives ourselves and gives ourselves to the Lord and give our resources to the Lord. And I'm here to tell you what, guys, you have stepped up and done amazing, amazing things. I mean, you're talking about radical generosity, man. This, the people of BLC, Better Life Church, who have bought into the vision, who have bought into the mission, have never ceased to amaze me to step up and be radically generous when we need something for missions man you guys are there when ministry needs are there you are there the land you were there the building we didn't even do a building campaign y'all I mean we didn't do no pledges no nothing God provided through the radical generosity of his people when a tsunami hits When when, when a natural disaster happens, guess what? We want to be there to help people. In fact, I don't know if you know this now, but one of my great friends, Eric Stinson, he's the vice president of, of commercial at First National Bank, and he's one of my great friends. I'm telling you what, he serves. He's out there right now serving in the Next Step area. He is like a disaster relief junkie. He lives to help people when disaster happens. I don't even know if you're aware of this, but we send teams out all over the place to go and help with that he leads that up he will even sometimes get here's how he'll get you there he'll say do you want to go to the beach like oh my gosh let's go to the beach and by the way like a hurricane hit, he's going to take you there right and you're going to mud out and here's what happens people mud out people tear down and you get to share with people who are broken who've lost everything about how jesus loves them and changed their life and i'm telling you there's a ministry Because of your generosity, we are able to send it. And if that's you and you want to be part of it, if that sounds familiar, like, you know, I like to be part of the disaster relief team locally or even all over the country. I want you to go see Eric. He's in the Next Step area. I'm telling you, he would love to help you get plugged in and do this. But listen, your generosity never ceases to amaze me. I never forget, it was in the spring of 2013. I was sitting in my office and I went to my whiteboard and I wrote this on the board. I wrote 2020 Vision. You get it, right, 2020? Okay, some of you will catch up with me in a minute. And I wrote 2020 vision. I was like, by the year 2020, what would we like to see happen? And, man, I threw some BHAGs up there. If you don't know what a BHAG is, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal. You know, like this is crazy, y'all. Like, God, you're going to have to move like we've never seen you move before. This is back in 2013. And one of the things I wrote on the board is that someday we will see 3,000 people worshiping at Better Life Church. And last Easter, we almost had 2,500 people show up and worship here at at Better Life Church. So that's just amazing. So, man, we're almost there, like crazy things. And I had all these crazy goals, and we wrote down. And then I got to, to the bottom. I said, you know what? let's see if we can give a half a million dollars away. And when I say give it away, I don't mean just like flippantly give it away. I mean invest in missions and benevolence and community partners and all over the country and the world. And so we wrote this down. I'm like, God, you got to step up, man. You know what I'm saying? You got to come through with this. A half a million dollars away. And so yesterday I text our financial director and I said, could you look up for me, please? And let me know, since we started our church, how much has the people of Better Life Church invested in the kingdom of God through missions and benevolence and community partners and stuff like that? Because I just, I want to know exactly you know, what, what that is, so I'll be accurate when I share with you. And I, I honestly, up to this point, I haven't kept up with it. Like it's not 2020 yet. Don't you judge me. I'll wait till 2020. See if we hit her. I mean, I just really haven't. Like, have we hit her goal? Have we? Have we kept up with it? And she sent me a text yesterday, and it just kind of blew me away that through the generosity, we haven't done a we haven't done a a half a million dollars. We, in fact, we have given nine hundred and four thousand seven hundred and sixty dollars and eighty cents, y'all. Eighty cents. Connie, she's super detailed. She'll appreciate the 80 cents because every penny matters. You know what I'm saying? I mean, 80 cents. That's crazy. We're on track by the end of this year. Watch this. To invest, to be generous, to give away a million dollars, y'all, since we started. That's insane. And so, and I just want to brag with you because the radical generosity for you guys are unbelievable. And here, listen to me. Listen to me. I want every single Christian on the planet to be radically generous, every Christian on the planet. And I definitely want every single Christian who calls BLC their home church, I want every single one of you to become radically generous and to bless people around you. And I just wanna say this, if that's offensive to you, If you get upset when you hear, especially a preacher, especially from this stage, and we share with you that we want you to be radically generous, and you start getting the mindset well, the church wants my money, and they just want the stuff, and all this jazz, if that's your mindset, let me tell you why that's your mindset. It's because you have greed in your heart. And if you have greed in your heart, you will not be generous. In fact, the antidote to greediness is generosity. And if you will bless people and serve the people around you, you will win your schools, you will win your workplace, you will win your environment, you will win your faith. We will win this city and the cities to Christ when the people of God are generous and bless the people around you. Now, if that offends you, it's because you have greed in your heart. And I want to help you dive into that and unpack that. Because when I talk about radical generosity, please hear me, I'm not talking about an amount. I'm talking about an attitude radical generosity is an attitude that's within you it's a lifestyle of living unselfishly like i don't want to be selfish i'm gonna live a lifestyle of being unselfish to the people around me it's living a lifestyle that's not a taker but a giver and I want that for you, I want that for me, I want that for our church, and I want that for all the believers in the world. Because I'm telling you what, if all the believers in the world would just be radically generous, we could change the world. And it starts with us. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And just hang tight with me at 2 Corinthians 9 chapter 9. Now, if you don't, you can grab your phone or your iPad and go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm using the NET uh, the NET translation. I really like that translation if you want to follow along with me because if you like Bible studies, you're going to have one today. Like, I just need to have my tall boy in a stool and sit down and we're going to have a Bible study. I'm going to walk you through this passage because it is fascinating. When you think of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you've been around church before, what comes to your mind? You hear him at weddings right love is patient love is kind first corinthians 13 is the love chapter hebrews chapter 11 what do you think of faith that's the hall of fame of faith all the men and women of god that did great things for the lord hall of Fame. but when you think about radical generosity there's no greater passage in the whole entire bible than second corinthians chapter 8 and 9. there is so much context there is so much meat here we could spend the next six sundays walking through this passage. So I want to encourage you to go and read chapter 8 because I'm going to jump to chapter 9 to set the background of what's happening because it really will help you see what Paul was trying to get across when it comes to radical generosity. So let me set this up for you. There are churches in this province called Macedonia. This is in Greece. So there's all these churches in Macedonia. So think about this. When Paul would write a letter, and we have his letters, he would write a letter to the churches in the city of Philippi or Philippians, right? The book of Philippians. And so what happens, he would write a letter and they would get his letter, like the city of Moorhead, the letter or Grayson, the letter would come to the church. I would stand up here and I would read to the congregation the letter that the apostle Paul wrote. Once I get done reading it, you know what I did? I passed the letter to the next house church in the city of Moorhead or the city of Philippi, or the city of Corinth. I would pass. And so Paul's letters got passed around to every single church in the city. So you know what happens when you pass the letter around? It wears out. So people would begin to copy his letters word for word down, and that's how we kind of came up with what we have here, and they would pass these around to the churches. So Paul is writing a letter to the churches in Corinth to Corinth and say, listen, there's a thing that's happening in Jerusalem, and the Jerusalem church is, like, so poor. They're struggling financially. they got all these financial crises, and let's step up and be the church, and let's take up an offering To bless the church kind of like we did our christmas offering right let's take up an offering to bless the church so he's speaking to macedonia to all the churches now there's a guy named philip not philip the evangelist but philip he was like the original ruler of macedonia and i know you don't know him but you do know his son who was alexander the great and so paul planted churches in the city where alexander the great was born like this is his city in macedonia and all those places so he's sending this letter to all the churches in the city Macedonia, he says, I've got something I want you to understand. The church in Jerusalem, our brothers and sisters in Christ, they're struggling financially. They're persecuted by Judaism and all the things. They're persecuted by Rome. Let's step up and be the church, and let's take up an offering and give them. And the churches in Macedonia, man, they went crazy. They gave radically. They gave generously. They gave extremely like we've never seen before. And now there's a church in Corneth. There's a church there that Paul writes this letter to and say, yo, you want to be part of this? Like, do you want to get in on this offering? Because here's the benefits. If you want to jump in on this offering to go bless our brothers and sisters in Christ, here are the benefits to you. And here's what's going to happen. And in, in, in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, he uses the churches in Macedonia as an example. Even though they're severely broke, God, gave, they used, God used them greatly because they were so, so generous, even though... They were desperately poor. They still were generous to the church and Jerusalem. And then through chapter 8, he says radical generosity. Here's some things he says. It's enjoyable. Like when you begin to give radically, it is enjoyable. It's supernatural. Like something supernatural takes place when you begin to bless people around you, when you begin to be the blessing that God has called you to be. He says it's enthusiastic. Like we should get excited. The word enthusiasm comes from in theos, in God. So my enthusiasm comes from being in Christ and in God. If I am in Christ, I should be excited about the things of God and what He's doing in my life. And then it says spiritual, like this radical generosity is a spiritual habit that's cultivated in our lives. And so through chapter 8, he talks about this. And then we get to chapter 9, and I'm going to jump down to verse 6. So chapter 8, 1 through 5, you need to go home and read it to get a lot of the backgrounds. But I'm going to jump into verse 6, and here's what Paul's saying. Here's the point of why this church should be part of this offering that's taken place to send to the church in Jerusalem. So that's the context of the background, So that kind of hits your mindset when you understand Paul sitting down, and we believe, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul is penning this letter to specific church that's in Corinth. He said, here's what I want you to do, and here's the point of why I'm asking you to be generous and be a generous church. So let's jump into this. If you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Verse 6. Paul says, my point is this. Don't you like that? Just get to the point just get to the point. Take me straight. Don't be fluff. Just get to the point. He says, here's the point. My point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, remember, think about this. Your church, you heard about the church being poor. You're poor yourself. The apostle Paul sends you a letter. The preacher stands up and says, here's what the apostle Paul, here's the point of the offering. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if the person sows generously, he will also or she will also reap generously. Here's the point you'll reap what you sow. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And I'm not just talking about financially. Listen to me, married couples. What you sow in your marriage, you will reap. What you sow in your parenting, you will reap. What you sow in the relationships around you, you will reap. If you want to have love back, then you need to sow love. And if you sow love, you will reap love. If you sow anger, you will reap anger. If you sow bitterness, you're going to get bitterness back. If you sow encouragement into people, they will encourage you back. Whatever you lack, you need to go and sow. That rhyme, that was pretty cool right there. You need to go sow it. Because what you sow, you'll reap. A farmer knows this. If I sow just a handful of seed, that's all I'm going to reap. But if I take the whole bag, the whole bucket, and I go and sow everything I have, I'm going to get a great harvest. A farmer gets this. And what Paul was saying to every person in the church, he's reading to the church. If you sow just a little, man, I'm telling you what, you're going to get just a little. But if you will sow generously, you will reap Generously. But here's what people don't understand when it comes to being generous, that there is a heart issue, that your motives matter. Your motives matter. Look what he says in verse 7. Each one of you should give just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now watch this. Watch this in verse 7. Each one of you should give just as he has decided, as you have decided in your heart. So here's, let me explain this. Paul is not talking about tithes here. He's talking about an offering. You don't get, you don't get to decide your tithes. It belongs to the Lord. What is a tithe? It's a 10% of my gross income. Why do I tithe? Because God wants to test my heart. It's just a test to see if I will pass the test. God don't need your money. If he wants your money, he beats you up and take your money. He don't need your money. He wants your heart. And where your heart is, you'll see what your treasure is. If you want to know where your heart's at, look at your treasures. Because that's where your heart will be. So this is not a tithing thing. In fact, we see three levels of giving. I'll, I'll explain a little bit like this in the fall. There's three levels of giving in the Bible. There's a tithes. there's an offering, and there's extravagant giving. We see this through the scripture. Most people never get to the tithe. Only 2% of Christians out of the 2.2 billion people on the planet who call themselves Christians tithe. If every Christian on the planet would do just what God is asking them to do, we could solve world hunger in one week. Do you hear me? We don't need the government to take care of us. We don't need the government programs. When the church becomes the church and acts like the church, we can take care of all these problems to meet around us. But the reality is, Christians who claim to follow Jesus don't do what he asked them to do. And he wants to use you to meet the needs of the people around us. And this has been our strategy from day one. I mean, I love this, he says right here, each one should purpose in the heart or they should decide in the heart. Ever since we started this church, you can go back and listen. I don't talk a lot about money all the way through, but every time that I've ever talked about it, you could always, here's what we always said, especially when it comes to an offering. What is an offering? An offering is above a tithe. You don't give an offering until you tithe. You don't get to designate your tithes. Your tithe comes to the store because it's not yours, it belongs to the Lord. And so when you tithe, an offering is about, and what Paul was saying to the church, I know you've been sowing, you've been tithed, that's awesome, but this is an offering that's above your tithes. And if you're going to give, look what he says, you got to decide what's in your heart to give. You know that we've been saying that for 11 years? Here's what we said. You go home, you pray, you talk to Jesus, and you do whatever he asks you to do. That's what that text means. That's exactly what Paul's saying. You think about it, you pray about it, and what the Father puts in your heart, you must decide, as he tells you, and then be obedient and give what God has called you to give. Again, that is for an offering. And then he says this, don't give reluctantly. What's that mean? Unwillingly or hesitant. Don't be unwilling. Here's what he's trying to say. When an opportunity presents itself, that we as a church can bless people, we should we we should jump on it. We don't need to be hesitant. Going well, you know, I just don't know. I still got my kid in college. I'm trying to you know put him through college and stuff like that. And I don't know. I mean, I got this car payment. This car, I just don't know. You know, I I, I got to get my hair done. You know, I got to get my hair done. You know, I gotta do it. Right? I gotta be. You know, I gotta put food on the table, right? And I got, I'm hesitant. I'm trying to find examples, you know, because my budget don't do it because I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm like, well, and all this stuff. And like, I just don't. When you're hesitant. That's a heart issue. As followers of Jesus, we should be excited. You're like, we get to, oh, put me in, coach. I get to give to that. I get to be part of that. And listen to me. It's not an amount, it's an attitude of your heart that you get to join what God is doing and bless the people around you to show the world that the cross truly equals love. And He tells us that when we begin to bless people. And then it says this don't give out a compulsion. What it means, don't be pressured. Don't be pressured. I went back and looked and just to study and examine my heart. I will never ask you to do anything that the Bible hasn't already asked you to do. And when you, when, when you feel pressure or honestly guilt, when someone preaches you into guilt to give, it's the wrong motive and it's the wrong heart. Heart is the issue. When somebody says, look at what you drive and look what you live in and all that stuff and you could go give to the poor, you know why people say that? Greed is in their heart. And if someone stands and they guilt you to give, in the arms of an angel. <laughs> oh, see, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They want to pull out your emotions as a guilt. Guilt should never be a motivation to give. Love should be the motivation to give. I love him, therefore I give. Not guilt. And when anybody ever preaches to you or talks to you or tries to guilt you to give, it's with the wrong heart and motive. And you should be aware of this. But look what he says. God loves a cheerful giver. What is he saying? It's the attitude of your heart. Because listen to me, I had people, they'll come up to you and say, Pastor, I'm tired and I'm waiting for the blessing. Where's the blessing? I'm waiting for the overflow. I said, you're not going to get it. How come? Because you're waiting for the overflow. (laughs) Because you give to get. And the moment your heart is to give to get, you ruin the blessing. You give to give. That's the heart. If you're going, I mean, I'm literally, I had somebody come off and say, man, I'm tired. I'm waiting for the blessing. How come God ain't blessed me? It's because you're wanting the blessing. Seek the blesser. And he'll give you the blessing. And so many times, as I'm telling you, it goes hand in hand. It's all about the heart. It's the motive of your heart. If you give to get. Listen, I am not a prosperity preaching gospel preacher. I'm not telling you to give to get. If I do, my motive is wrong. And my heart is wrong. And so will yours be. You give generously to Give. And God gets to determine that blessing. And here's what he's saying. I love when someone's heart's cheerful. I love when you have the opportunity to do that, when you have the opportunity to give, which goes into verse eight. This is so good. Look what it says. And God is able. Don't miss that. He's able. He may not, but he's able. He can. If you see the condition, he's able to do it. Watch this. He is able to make all grace overflow. Man, I saw that word overflow, and you're about to see overflow through the text here. And I just said, man, I want to do a series called Overflow. I want to overflow in the anointed of God. I want to overflow in the favor of God. I want to overflow with the resources of God in my life. I'm a part of that series. We'll come back to that. But just the overflow in your life. He says, I want to make all grace overflow. And watch this. If you're studying your Bible, Bible students, watch. So that. He tells you why. So that because you may have enough of everything in every way at all times, oh my gosh, you will overflow in every good work. And then he quotes the scripture just as it's written in the Bible. He has scattered widely, he's scattered so generously. He has given to the poor, his righteousness will remain forever. Do you, I wanna I want walk you through this overflow right here. He says, first grace will overflow in your life. What's grace? Grace is a gift that God gives us and literally means the favor of God. You want the overflowing favor of God on your life? Be generous. He said, that's how you get the overflowing favor of God on your life. And when you do, don't miss this in the text. He says, you'll have everything you need. Everything you need. You may not have everything you want, but you will have everything you need in every way at all times—good times, good time, bad times, recession, no recession. Start market up, start market down. You will have everything you need if you will be generous and so generously, and to reaching people and blessing people, grace and favor will overflow. But don't just miss that. Guess whatever overflows—every good work. Now, what is Paul telling the church when he says every good work will overflow? Here's what he's saying. Your ministry opportunities will overflow. Every good work is the work and the deeds. Your deeds will overflow to the people. You will have so much room to bless people around you. Let me tell you why God blesses you. God blesses you so that you will be a blessing to other people. That's why he blesses you. That's what God wants to do in your life. God blesses me so I'll be a blessing to other people. Almost two decades ago, my wife and I, we got on our, we was living in a little 16 by 16 mobile home. And we're sitting here before God and we prayed with God. And here's what we pray. God, we pray that our hands will remain open. Which means this. God, you can put in and God, you can send through. You know what happens when most Christians, when God puts stuff in your hands, you hold on to it. And there's two problems with that. One, God doesn't put anything else in and it. No, it not an overflow for the people around you. But I'm here to tell you, if you will get your hands open and say, God, I trust you. I believe in you. I'm going to be generous. As you give, I will scatter the seed. And the more seed you put in my hand, the more I will scatter. I'm here to tell you what, if you'll get before God and keep your hands over, you will be blessed and be meeting the people around you like you've never seen in your life. I could testify to that experientially, I could testify that intellectually, and I could testify that by faith. I have seen God move mountains in my own life and the people's lives around me because we're conduits. And the moment, God, if you'll keep your hands open, when there's an opportunity and occasion to bless one, bless them and wait and see what God will do in your life. Your opportunities will never, you know, when you see needs, God's like, that's because I want to use you to meet it. And remember this, it's not an amount. It's an attitude of your heart. Because when I am generous, God's overflowing favor overflows my life and rests upon me. And watch this, He will meet my needs. And if I will keep my hands open, He will help me reach and meet the needs around me. And God wants to use you to be a conduit to reach the people around around you and then don't miss this this is so good this is so good guess what else will overflow verse 10 look what he says now god who provides the seed for the sower let me speak to you self-made people out there there's no self-made no one God is the one that provides the seed. He's the one that gets the harvest. Everyone knows this. The farmer, he gets the seed, he plants it, he works it, but only God can bring the rain. Only God can control the weather. Only God can allow that to happen. There's no self-made nothing. God owns it all. He's the provider of all of it. If he gave it to you, honey, he could take it away in a heartbeat. You've got to recognize where you have and where it's come from. Sorry, that's the coffee. Keep going, verse 10. Now, God who provides the seed for the sower and the bread for food. Oh, this is so good. Look what he says. Will provide and multiply your supply. I mean, I can hear Bishop T.D. going, he will provide and multiply your supply. Because he's got way better swagger than I have. Look what he said. Don't miss this. He will provide for you. He will multiply your supply. He will multiply your seed. He will multiply your resources. And he will cause a harvest of your righteousness to grow. How many of you want God to bless you? Get your hand up if you want God to bless you. Everybody else have your hand up? You're a liar. Don't lie in church. You know you want God to bless you. He tells you, here it is. Here it is. If your heart's right, your mother's right, and you be generous, I'm going to put seed in your hand. And if you'll take the seed and the resources, whatever your resources I've given you, you put that seed in your hand. And if you'll keep your hand open, when I put seed in your hand, you just dump the seed out. I put seed, scatter the seed. I put seed, scatter the seed again. I'm gonna put more seed, scatter the seed. Here's what happens. Every time you plant a seed, you will reap a harvest and the flow will never stop until you close your hands. And the moment you close your hands, it's cut off because now it's about you. And not others. I'm telling you, as God is my witness, folks, for the last two decades, you cannot out-give God. If you will keep your hands, he will provide the seed. He won't even add to the seed. Homeboy would multiply the seed. And that multiply means a multiply of harvest in your life if you would just keep your hands open. And most of us, let's just face it, we're living paycheck to paycheck. We're broke and we're wondering. I just don't know if I could put God first in my finances. I just don't know if I could really trust Him. Which goes on to verse 11. Look what He says. And I double checked this. I want to look this up to make sure and the, the word was right. He says, then, watch this, you will be enriched. You know, literally in the Greek, what that word enrich means? He says, He will make you wealthy. Again, listen, I'm no prosperity. You don't give to get. Paul writes, "We believe under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that if you will practice generosity, you'll keep your hands open. I will put seed. If you'll scatter the seed and multiply, I will multiply the seed over and over and over because you can outgive me. I'm gonna leave the spigot running to keep your hands open." He says, "You will be enriched." Literally means, "I will make you wealthy." Now I know what some are saying. I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy. Hold up. I just looked to make sure this morning, if you make over $40,000 as a household income, you're in the top 0.57% people in the world, in the world, you're rich. We're the only country that has houses for our cars and we live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, if you finance your dog, you're broke. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're broke, all right? We, you need to jump in one of our, our financial coaching man. We do, we gotta figure something out, right? Pastor, I just, I just I, I'm broke giving is not a a finance issue it's not a broke issue it's a heart issue you start putting god first before you ain't gonna be broke much longer you start doing it god's way you ain't gonna be broke much longer i'm just saying and i'm not saying that for you to give to get you give to give i'm telling it's just the principle through the bible what you sow you will reap if you hold your hands over i will bless i just read you the letter that paul wrote almost two thousand years ago that went around to every church in the city and if you believe this is God's word, and you believe this is true, and you believe that it was inspired by him when he wrote this, then why don't you practice what he's preaching? I'm telling you, it will radically change your life. And listen, here's, you want some really good news? We're not taking up an offering today. <laughs> we don't have an Easter offering on the way. I want to share this to brag to you that you're being generous. Keep being generous and to bless the people around you. And then look what he says in verse 12. We'll go back to verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you may be what? Generous on every occasion. See, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna enrich you because there's gonna be a moment right down the road. I wanna use you to be a conduit to bless someone behind you, to bless someone beside you. You can do this, man. This don't, listen, this is not an amount issue, it's an attitude. When God says, bless them, bless them. Maybe it's provide food for them. Maybe it's get groceries. Maybe it's pay for their gas. Maybe it's to help them. Maybe it's just like, I just feel like I need to bless you and do this for you. And I'm telling you what, I could tell you stories after stories after stories when God said, do it, and you did it, and it's just unbelievable what happened. Unbelievable. I mean, I literally could write a book, have all the encounters I had when God had said to do something, just to do it and see what he's done. I mean, it's unreal. I don't even have time to tell you the stories after stories. Because I really believe that this is true. I know it from experience. I know it from intellect. I know it by faith that I trust Him. And look what happens by the byproduct of your generosity, verse 12. He says this, it will be produced through us thanksgiving to God because the service of this ministry, what ministry? Preaching, kids, worship. What? He's talking about the ministry of Giving through the service of the ministry of giving, is not only providing the needs of the saints, but also, here's the word again, overflowing with many thanks to God. What is he saying? When you give, you meet the needs of the people around you. And we've said this, listen, over and over and over. You don't give to this church. You give through this church. And when you give $904,760.80 flipping cents... Almost a million dollars you have given through the church what to meet the needs of people that you'll never know that you've never met until you get to eternity. And I wish I had a wall splattered here with all the stories and the cards and the emails are going, thank you, my kid has clothes now because you gave. Thank you for the first time I have a hot meal now because you gave. Thank you because now you've built a hut and we have fresh water in our country now. Thank you. I wish you could see the stories because of your generosity. You keep being generous. You keep blessing. You keep helping the people around you. I'm telling you what, when you serve people and bless people, they will listen to your story. And it gives you an opportunity to share your platform, how God is good and he's good all the time and how he wants to use you to bless them. And then it says they will be overflowing with gratitude. And that's what the letters are. Thank you. People are glorifying God because of your generosity. Don't you miss that. Don't you feel like you're not making a difference? God is using you through BLC to make an unbelievable difference. Because you don't give to this church, you actually give through it as a conduit to bless the people around us. And so when people say, well, that church just wants your money, you say, uh-uh, you need to come. You need to come and see. As so we invested over almost a million dollars in the kingdom of God through our generosity Because we believe that you really can't outgive God. No one in the Bible does it say the church needs to tithe. But do you know that every year when we fix our budget, we sit down and say, We're gonna give 10% away. Do you know that your church tithes? We practice what we preach. We're gonna bless people and benevolence and community partners and missions and church planning and start campuses all over the world. Why? Because life is short and hell is hot and we got to go after them. And that's what we do. Thank you. Thank you as your pastor. Thank you for your radical generosity because God is using you to change the region that changes the world. Verse 13, last, I'm almost done. When a preacher says that, he's got 10 more minutes. Verse 13, through the evidence, what evidence? What's evidence? Your generosity. Through the evidence of this service, what service? The service of giving generously. They, they, the people we impact, will glorify God. They're like, God has sent this to me. God has provided this for me. They will glorify God because of what? Your obedience. Your obedience to the confession of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. He came, he died, he got up of the grave, and everyone who puts their faith and trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news. And what Paul is saying, your confession to the good news is evident through your obedience. That you truly do follow Jesus and you truly do love Jesus and the gospel and the generosity of your sharing with them and with everyone else. What a church. In your poverty, he says, you still are making a difference. And in their prayers, because generosity is contagious, on your behalf, they long for you. Because of the, don't miss this, extraordinary grace God has shown to you. That is, that is fascinating. Believers who follow Jesus prove their loyalty to Christ by ministering the gospel and meeting the needs of people around them. When you minister gospel and you meet people's needs, it shows the world your loyalty to Jesus. But then he says in verse 14, Extraordinary grace. You no, know, of course, as a Bible student, you're going, okay, what does that mean? How do I get that? I want some extraordinary grace. Grace means favor. How do I have extraordinary favor of God on my life? There's not one person in this room or watching online who would not say, I want God's favor on my life. How do I get that extraordinary grace? And Paul just told us to the church. When you're generous with the right heart and with the right motive, I will give you extraordinary favor on your life. This ain't a salvation if you issue. It's not if I'm going to heaven or hell issue. No, 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 no. This is a blessing issue. I will give you extraordinary favor if you just be generous and meet the needs around you. So you remember back at verse six, when Paul said, here's the point, He's about to tell you the point and to remind you of the point why we do what we do. Verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, why would Paul tag that verse at the end of this context? Because he's reminding the church, God was generous to you. God gave you an indescribable gift, which was his son. And he loves you so much, and he was so generous to you. How can you not be generous back? In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. For God so loved the world he gave. And he gave his son knowing that the majority of the people will reject him, deny him, turn their back on him, and don't believe him. And he still gave. Why? Because he's generous. You're never more like God when you are when you give. Now, I say all that to say, God is using you. That you should be generous, and you should show people Jesus through your generosity. So, when God prompts you to bless the people around you in this community, go bless them. When God prompts you to meet a need, go meet that need. And remember, I'm just gonna keep my hands open. It's not the amount, it's an attitude. And I promise you, if you start even with a little amount, someday you'll turn around and that amount will have an extra zero and then another zero. And you're scratching your head saying, How did another one get there? Because this is the principle. You keep your hands open and I'll multiply your seeds and I'll multiply your resources. Watch this, not for you, but so you will be a benefit and a blessing to the people around you. And you know what happens when you serve them and bless them? They will see that the cross equals love. I'm going to ask you what about your heads. Don't get distracted by the car alarm. In Jesus' name, we rebuke the car alarm right out there. (laughs) Real quick, two invitations. Number one, number one, I want to say this first. I love you guys. There's no other church on the planet I'd rather pastor than right here. You guys are amazing. You are radically generous. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. God's using you. And so if you're here gracing online, here's the first invitation. If that kind of bothers you a little bit, like, ah, I was church and money. Don't talk about money. You know, the Bible talks more about money than love and grace and hell and heaven combined. Because he knew it's going to compete with your heart. He wants you to win with your money. Why? So you can be a blessing to the world. Why? So you can show them that the cross equals love. So if, if, if this is offensive or you kind of squirmy about this, like, ah, ah would you just get before God and say, God, what lie am I believing Because you're believing a lie. It's your perspective. Because when you start seeing from a heavenly perspective, then all this excitement and cheerful and giving and joy when God wants to use you to bless the people around you, go bless them. Here's a second invitation. Until you've experienced the generous grace and mercy and love of Jesus, it's very difficult for you to experience what I'm talking about, living a generous lifestyle. Because without Jesus, I'm selfish. I'm still selfish at times in my life. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, the Bible says this, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And maybe a moment, God has stirred your affection in your heart to realize, oh my gosh, he was so generous to me that I deserve a place called hell, but he loved me so much that he sent a son for me. And maybe right now you realize that that indescribable gift, I want it because it's the greatest gift you will ever receive. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. You know this, saying a prayer won't save you, but my lips will proclaim, but my heart declares. And if that's you and you're ready to receive the greatest gift in the world, which is grace and mercy and love and salvation, would you pray with me? Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today I repent of my sin. And I give my life to you. Thank you for your generous mercy and your generous grace. Now help me learn what it means to have a generous lifestyle, an attitude of my heart, to bless the people around me. Now, if that's you and you did that and you prayed with me, and we're just going to believe that God's still in the business of saving people even this morning. 63 people over the last two weeks. Are you kidding me? God's moving. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. If you would say, Pastor, I just want to let you know, I just received that most indescribable gift. And I just want to let you know, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. Come on, get it out real quick. Awesome. Anybody else? Come on, I just want to pray for you. Sweet. That is awesome. I'm proud of you, church. Don't stop. Keep being generous. Keep blessing the people around you. Keep sharing with people and inviting them to come. Experience that the cross equals love. Get them to a place where they can hear your story or hear the story about Jesus and how He radically can change their life. Father, thank you so much for your your word, how relevant it is, even though Paul penned it almost 2,000 years ago. We stand before your people today that your spirit has inspired him to write and we proclaim the same good news. We proclaim the same word. The same grip of greed grips our heart as it grips their heart. And we know that the answer to that is just being generous. God, when we bless people around us, when we serve the people around us, it gives us an opportunity to share your story and share our story, how you radically changed us. And therefore, we thank you. We thank you for the hands that went up for the people who who just gave their life to you. And so, God, we can't wait to see what you're going to do through your church as we continue to keep our hands open and meet the needs of those in this region. We love you, Jesus. For your name we ask and we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you'd like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.